0: Welcome to Standing Firm, a Come Follow Me podcast. Here are your hosts, Jordan and Louie Onga. Hello, welcome to Standing Firm, where we talk Come Follow Me scriptures with you each and every week. I'm Lou, and my co-host as always is my little brother Jordan. How's your week? It was awesome, man. It was great. How about you? Not bad. Busy as always, but that's, not, that's that's what it is right now. Oh right. yeah. End of the new year. This is uh it's been an exciting foray into the Book of Mormon so far and not much changes this week. This week we're tackling some of the really some of the foundational chapters of 1 Nephi, including Nephi and his brothers returning to Jerusalem which is, again, yeah, which is getting perilously close to destruction at this point. <laughs> and we'll also cover some of the high-level important aspects of Lehi's Dream of the Tree of Life, which really deserves hours more of study and discussion. But oh, absolutely. We'll uh, do our best to, to give you some of our crowning thoughts on that pivotal and momentous vision and teaching. But we'll get started right away. There's a lot to talk about. So chapter six, Nephi mentions, and it's a short chapter, right? And Nephi mentions that he writes the things that are pleasing to God and not to the world. And Ever since the Book of Mormon came into the world, there have been a lot of people who have lamented this exact thing that Nephi talks about here, right? Writing the things that are pleasing to God, wishing instead for more of the storylines and the history that make the Book of Mormon more entertaining and more like a novel. And to that point, a few years back, the church produced some of these Book of Mormon videos. And I don't know if you know this, Jordan, but we actually have a friend from childhood, more my age than yours, but he actually starred in one of the Book of Mormon videos. Oh,
1: yeah. Is it a
0: Lomu? Yeah. And, and he was actually King Lamoni in that video. And that was a really good one. Yeah. All those videos are super entertaining, man. Yeah. So there was somebody that I knew that actually came across one of those videos online and they mm-hmm. watched it and they loved the story. And so they asked me about it. And so we talked about the story and how the story went and what it meant and what some of the symbolism was in the story. And then... I felt prompted that I should share the rest of the book because that's there you go. So I did that. I had this person download uh, the book of Mormon to their phone. And I said, yeah, just read this. There's lots of great stories like that. And a few days later, this person came back and they were like, that's the most boring book I've ever (laughs) read. And that's what Nephi is explaining about here is that the purpose of this book is to explain and supply eternal gospel truths. And some of them are told through storylines. Mm-hmm. Others are explained in sometimes exhausting detail from the words of prophets. And, and that brings us to chapter seven, which is a great chapter. So what you're saying, Lou, is not every
1: chapter is someone's head getting cut off or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's <laughs> some, no, of, or... some of them are like chapter six. <laughs> yeah. And you're right. So it does bring us to chapter seven. Now, with chapter seven, the the very first thought that came to my mind when reading it was... Why is Ishmael so important? Like, why did they need to go back again? Come to find out, Ishmael had a lot of daughters, and we know that the family is ordained of God, and it was important enough for the Lord to lead the brothers back to find Ishmael. We learn through modern-day revelation that Ishmael is actually from the lineage of Ephraim, which fulfills the words and the prophecies of Jacob found in the 48th chapter of Genesis, where it says, Let them be named on them in the name of my father Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into the multitude of the midst of the land. So this goes uh, to show you another great example of how the Bible and the Book of Mormon combined as it fulfills this prophecy of the descendants of Manasseh and Ephraim growing together on the American continent, right? Yeah. But going back to Ishmael, you had to imagine that's a very difficult thing, having these young men come to his house and... Talk to him about the things that have, why they were there, they were sent from God. And at some point he had to have recognized that it was less of an invitation, more of a commandment. Yeah. But as it says on record, that Ishmael's heart was softened. So there was some form of an initial hesitation on his
0: end, but you can definitely see that it was an essential step in this whole process. Yeah. Essential is the, probably the exact right word to use for that. And I think one of the answers to the question of what was so important about Ishmael can also be found in the Holy Priesthood. I think one mistake that we often make as Latter-day Saints, and, and I've seen actually an improvement of this in recent years as we've studied this more in depth, but we tend to attribute the priesthood to men. Hmm. And the the more you learn about the true nature of the priesthood, the more you learn that the priesthood is much more than a man or men. It is actually a, a synergy between men and women. I think a good example of this is the Abrahamic Covenant such power and majesty in that covenant between the Lord and Abraham, but how powerful is the Abrahamic covenant without Sarah? And the answer is that it's utterly useless without her. Right. That's power. And it's, it's power that God has endowed women with and a priesthood office and holding a priesthood office is only a small part of what the priesthood actually is. Absolutely, man. And this again, shows the great importance for the brothers that go
1: back to get Ishmael and his family because the Lord knew that they needed the fullness of the priesthood along their journey. And by having these amazing women, the daughters of Ishmael, they were able to take them as wives and they were able to enjoy the true presence of the patriarchal
0: priesthood. So I'm really glad that you brought that up, Lou. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, getting back to the story of getting Ishmael and his daughters back into the wilderness with the family, going on in chapter seven, one of the things that's always bugged me over the years is in certain portrayals of layman and lemuel is how we have almost turned them into caricatures or into like complete jokes and the truth is that there's probably a lot more of layman and lemuel in us at various points in this crazy life than we're all willing to admit but i I think the reality of layman and lemuel is that they were not big ugly evil barbaric buffoons in fact these were two intelligent people that let's face it made some good choices during the entirety of the story. Uh, Unfortunately for them, all of their good choices were overshadowed by their disloyalty, their disobedience, and just bad attitudes in general. And that sort of brings us along to one of my favorite verses in chapter 7, which is verse 15. And we talked about verse 15 a little bit during our show prep. And Mm. one of the things that I love about this verse is that This verse is parenting teenagers. There's a great analogy in here about about parenting teens, because one thing that I've learned in my short time being a parent to a teenager and now two of them is that, just like Nephi says, sometimes they're not going to listen to you and you have to warn a teenager about the consequences of a certain decision or a certain action. Mm. But at the end of the day, just like Nephi said, you have to just let them make the mistake and find Let out further for yeah. their own. Yeah. And, and that's a really difficult thing to do, but I love that verse because it's basically parenting teens. Nephi says, Hey, listen, if you want to try me on this, go ahead and head back to Jerusalem. But I'm just telling you that you're going to perish like the rest of the people.
1: No, I totally agree. I think it's really neat to how the scriptures come alive and speak to us in our day, whatever phase that we're in. Most talking to you earlier about this verse and you had mentioned you've read that before. And yeah. It was right before Xander became a teenager that you this differently. Right? Yeah, no, for sure. So that's definitely one of my favorites as well, but something that stood out to me in a big way in this chapter is done in verse 21. And I, I also feel like it relates to parenting because one of the very huge part of being a parent is being able to forgive. Yeah. In verse 21, we have Nephi's incredible example, as the record claims that I did frankly forgive my brothers. Yeah, that's super cool. I did
0: frankly forgive them for all that they had done. No hesitation, nothing. Like, That's a great point. And one of the things that, that I've thought about is how we tend to treat forgiveness. There are certain people in our lives who we are quick to forgive. And then there's others in our lives who were not so quick to forgive. And a lot of that just depends on who that person is to us or how we've felt about them in the past. But we have an understanding and we believe actually that anybody who's wronged us or offended us, it's our belief that the Lord has paid the price for them. And if we're holding on to anger in a way, hanging on to that is like telling the Lord, what you did isn't good enough. Mm. I still have need to punish this person in my own way. Mm. And when we take that path and when we head down that road, I think that's a really dangerous place to be standing. It's a place where that anger can become a huge impediment in our own journey down the covenant path. And along those lines, consider this quote from the great Neil A. Maxwell. (laughs) He said, refusing to forgive others is to hold hostage those whom the Lord would wish to set free. Wow, that's so powerful, man. For those
1: of you who can't see, the here jar is just flowing right here. <laughs> what a powerful quote. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, just knowing that the love that Christ has for us all leads perfectly into chapter 8. Louie, you mentioned it in the beginning. It's one of the most famous chapters in the Book of Mormon, in all scripture. Yeah. Probably a chapter that we've all read multiple times. If you haven't read the Book of Mormon, there is just so much symbolism in these chapters. Louie and I will touch on a couple of them, but definitely a chapter that's worth reading on your own as well. So we don't want to get too in the weeds of everything. But one of the symbols that kind of stood out to me in this chapter was how God has a great love for trees and that there's power in trees. Yeah. We learned in Genesis in the very beginning when creating the world that God created trees for goodness. And then we learn later in Revelations that overcoming evil and eating of the tree of life, which is found in the midst in the paradise of God. Later in chapter 22 in Revelations, we learned the tree of life was a way of healing into all the nations. Hmm. Later this year in the book of Mormon, we'll be learning about... In the book of Alma, they talk about the tree and how faith can grow just as strong and powerful as a tree. Something that I came across that was pretty interesting to me this week was an experience that Joseph Smith's dad had uh, in 1811. A very similar dream, like almost shot for shot of what Lehi had, where he was able to see this tree that he was able to get to, he was able to partake of the fruit and it filled his soul with such great joy. And he wanted immediately for his family to come and partake of that as well. So for me, these are all just great examples of how God has used the power of trees, the importance of trees. If he's dedicating an entire chapter to trees, I think it's very important to pay attention to this. Something else that stood out to me, Lou, that I wanted to point out is there's a phrase here in chapter 8 when talking about kind of the path to get to the tree of life is it mentions the saying that it's a straight and narrow path. Yeah. Now growing up, I always thought, okay, you hold on to the rod and it's just a straight walk. And I realized that straight in this case, isn't the straight that means the no turns or anything. It's just a straight path that it's actually straight as an S-T-R-A-I-T. And there's a translation with what well, doesn't mean straight, but it means restricted. Right Or more narrow. And when you hear the word restrict, I think, especially as members of the church, it's a scary word, right? Yeah, this is the big thing. Yeah, like you feel like you know, you're restricted from living a certain way that you want to. You're wanting to do your own thing. And that's actually the whole point of this chapter. Even though you're on this path and it feels small and it feels restricted, it's truly the only path that leads to the goodness of God.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. And speaking to people feeling restricted by commandments, one of the great quotes that I heard at a state conference recently is that we're crowned with commandments, crowned with commandments. Going on into Lehi's vision here in, so shame on me. I read something in verse 26 this week that I have probably read before, but we, we talked last week about the difference between reading and searching. Yeah, And one thing that I noticed really for the first time reading this in verse 26 is the great and spacious building mm. that it was up in the air It said it actually says it was high up in the air yeah i've read about the great and spacious building but i assume that it was a building but it says it's high up in the air and it occurred to me that a building that's in the air has no foundation mm. it as it's it's just sitting up there in the air and as i tried to liken this part of the vision to our day and age i thought about what in today's world is like a building that just lives up in the air and has no foundation and no redeeming qualities. And it's social media. That's what the big and spacious (laughs) building is. And I don't want this to be another social media's bad lecture, Right. right? But right after verse 26, where it describes the great and spacious building being high above the earth, it says, and it was filled with people, both old and young, both male and female. Their manner of dress was exceedingly fine. And they were in the attitude of mocking and pointing their fingers towards those who had come at and were partaking of the fruit. Mm. That sounds an awful lot like social media to me. Yeah, And, and I said, I didn't want this to be another social media, the bad lecture. And I mean that there's nothing wrong with posting on social media. I post about my family and the the things that I'm proud of that we accomplished together. But beware, right? Because if you're basing any portion of your happiness on the views and likes and hearts and emojis and comments on your social media posts, even the comments that are really nice and that are meant to uplift and compliment, that, that happiness is also without a sheer foundation and it should be relegated to the things that we heed not.
1: Yeah, and actually I brought up earlier Joseph Smith Sr. in his vision, his dream that he had back in 1811. In, in his interpretation of the building, he said that he found it high in the heavens and that he actually thought that it was heaven. Like he thought that's where heaven was. You know, he saw people dressed in, Fine clothing, and he thought that he was there until he got closer, and he realized
0: that literally the building was standing on nothing. Yeah, that also speaks to how the adversary can disguise something, even something as huge as a great and spacious building. Like he thought it was heaven; it really was was nothing. Not too much time left in this show, but a few quick uh, notes, especially from chapter nine, that that we want to get to. As I read in chapter nine, I loved how Nephi followed the Lord's direction. Even in the separation of the record, as he prepared to to make the change from his abridgment of his father's record and into mm-hmm. his own record, I was just awestruck at how the Lord guided this, knowing full well with perfection, in the same way that the Lord does everything, how it would all come together even thousands of years in the future. Isn't that so awesome
1: to think about? For some reason, it's making me recall a scripture in Genesis where stating, was there anything that's too hard for the Lord to oh, do?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That's in Genesis 18. And I also found out this week in cross-referencing that there's a similar quote in Jeremiah, actually, mm. in Jeremiah 32, 27, which is much more timely to the time that this is being written. And it says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Mm. I love that. Oh, I
1: love that too. In fact, there's been times in my life where I've literally seen the Lord take over. You know, that happens many times in the scriptures, which we're going to cover this year, but he will cause things to happen for the good of his purposes. You know, I recall a, a very difficult time in my life where shortly after I got home from my mission and then leading up to when I finally found my wife, just each day for me was really hard, man. know, my mental health wasn't really in a good state, you know, and I was almost armed with a mask that I would have on around others to kind of show that I was happy to show that I was a fun guy, but truly, you know, I was going through some difficult times. Sadly, I think that many people around us battle that same fight and we don't even know. Yeah. Um, but I often wondered why things just weren't working out for me with athletics or schooling work and just finally being able to find my wife. And oddly enough, these chapters that we discussed today, they reference the word remember five different times. Hmm. And that's going to be a theme that we'll see as we go on and recorded scripture throughout time is the great reminder to remember. And at that difficult time in my life, I remember having a one on one call with the Lord. You know, I truly prayed. I wanted to cry it out almost. You know, I wanted to know what was going on. And I'll never forget, man, I had an overwhelming feeling that was much bigger than me. And it reminded me who was on my team and who was in my corner. Now, being a sports fan, I created a metaphor in my head. You know, as we go throughout this life, we face a lot of scary opponents, a lot of scary things on the other team, such as anxiety, doubt, fear, temptation. I mean, the all-star list goes on and on. But what a comfort it is to know that on our team, on our side, is literally the savior of the world. So knowing the Lord's humble confidence here that nothing is too hard for him, I personally felt that full assurance and truly felt the blessing of
0: also knowing that nothing is too hard for him to accomplish. Wow, that's amazing. Jordan, thank you for sharing that. That portion of life is hard for young people Um, coming home and just figuring out what am I going to do with my life? That's super cool. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. This week, we'd like to end the show with a challenge. As you've gone through the reading this week, as you've listened to today's episode, is there anything in this week's reading that struck a chord with you? If so, our invitation is to simply follow through. If you notice a change that you need to make in your life, try to make that change. If you thought of someone who you need to forgive, take steps to make that happen. If this week's material made you think of someone in your life that you feel is ready to hear the joy and the good news of the gospel, please share it with them. Make it a matter of prayer. Make the Lord a partner in whatever you decide to do. The purpose of Come Follow Me is to learn and then to act. So join us this week in acting. An update on the tear jar. We added $10 to the tear jar this week, (laughs) uh, bringing our total to $35 through episode three. So we're building. And all that money at the end of the year is going to be donated to Church Humanitarian Aid. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the studying this week. If you have time, make sure to dive into 1 Nephi chapter 8. It is a wonderful, wonderful chapter, and we will catch you next week. For Jordan, I'm Lou. Until next week, Umau, stand firm, and we'll talk to you in a week. Thanks, guys. Standing Firm, a Come Follow Me podcast, is a production of Sierra House Publishing, LLC. The show, or any opinions expressed therein, are not affiliated with The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For a transcript of today's show, please visit our website at standingfirmpodcast.com.